Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. I am, of course, your host, Rich, and I'm also joined by Kira. He doesn't get a special intro today because I've run out of things to say, haven't I? Unfortunately, he hasn't, so you'll be hearing a lot more of his terrible opinions. Uh, also joined by the French Joe Anderson. That is a cracking reference, by the way. You probably don't know who it is. In your own time, Google it. Trust me. It's beautiful. <laughs> it, it works wonderfully well. I'll put a picture up, actually, in the edit so you can see, but it's a, it's a banging reference. Uh, anyway, Duke is also the head coach of Team Go in the LFL, and some of you filthy casuals may remember him more from sort of, you know, Spice, Spice Vitality and so on. Um, but before we dive into that, and before we dive into any LEC stuff, which of course we'll also be mainly talking about today, I do have to ask you both my patented would you rather. Now, there's no sort of funny edge or anything to this one. It's, it's a question I genuinely ask people, right? Because it combines two of my biggest fears. So it goes as follows. Would you rather be launched into space and then have to do like a moonwalk, like not Michael Jackson, a literal walking on the moon, you know, taking the sights, getting back in the rocket and fuck off back home. Or would you rather have to go in a high pressured submarine and go to the very depths of like the deepest depths of the ocean and then walk along the ocean floor? So it's, you know, that could be phrased in a way where it's like, which do you think is cooler? For me, those are two terrifying prospects, which is why I ask it. But yeah, Kira, what are you thinking? Rather be launched into space or rather... Well, it would be really cool to be the first person on the moon, I suppose. So, you know. You know know what's really sad about that? It says like, there's a few people, like especially like crazy sort of right-wingers that follow me on Twitter, unfortunately, and they'll they'll think that's based. They'll be like, oh, yeah, get it, Kira, brilliant. Got it again. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to do that one. Uh, so is there any chance, like, mechanical failures? Is, like, all, like, the... The engineering and all that going to no, like, you have work. to you have to factor that in. Yeah, you, you definitely. Oh, you have to factor that, that in. Yeah, yeah. Put, like, oh, million, b- million, bazillion percent just going down in the submarine, like thousands of percentage points going down in the submarine. Then, yeah. Really, I'm not sure oh, what the wait, success well, rate yeah. difference is. I don't know. I'm it's like now it's not like the Apollo well, missions, well, right? We're in 2000 and fucking 20 something. I'm pretty sure you could walk on the moon relatively safely. I'd imagine. No, it's. Okay, I mean, I'm talking really, about my art. Really, 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 really resource, resource like heavy. Obviously, like the deepest, deepest bits of Earth in the water, no one's actually ever been to. They are just like, well, exactly relatively. Like, the pe- when James Cameron dips down in his fucking little micro sub, he doesn't get out and walk around, does he? So I'm pretty sure. No. I think I'd be. I think the safer one, if anything, would probably be the moon. Yeah, but but... It, it, it maybe one, but I don't know. It's a pretty cursed question. Yeah. I'm gonna stick with first person on the moon. Sounds pretty good. Fair enough. What about you, Duke? If push came to shove, mm, I mean, I th- depends. But I think I would choose the walking on the uh, under the sea because I, I, I'm not afraid of walking on the moon. It's more going to the moon that I think would uh, uh, would be too much for me. Uh, already going on a plane is uh, pretty pretty rough, uh, so I can't imagine going into uh, a rocket. But going on uh, in a submarine, I'm like I think if you walk. On, on the on the I don't know the ground floor of the sea I don't know how it's how we can call it uh, I'm pretty sure you die with the pressure so <laughs> yeah uh, of the water so I, I'm not too sure it's, if it's doable I would say this <laughs> yeah else uh, else uh, the the moon 
So I have a little tip for people because what's really weird is I've been on like a ridiculous amount of flights in my life, like back and forth, whatever. But recently, for some random reason, just in, like just in the last few years, I've developed not like I wouldn't call it a fear of flying, but I'm not like overly comfortable flying. Especially, yeah, especially like takeoff and landing. I'm not like super comfortable. But here's a hot tip. OK, this actually worked so well for me. So. I've got like a Nintendo Switch and like a fucking Steam Deck or whatever. Playing a racing game, right? Or anything which like simulates movement or whatever as it's happening. Obviously, technically, you're not meant to have your device turned on, but put it on airplane mode, all that jazz, or whatever. Helped me so much. Like I genuinely, that's like the one thing that gives me escapism that like I'm not there. I'm just playing like fucking Mario Kart. And even if I'm going through turbulence, I'm like, oh, that's just a green shroom going past my ear. You know, like it <laughs> genuinely tricks me into feeling more comfortable so hot tip for any anxious flyers vodka and valium usually do it for me you know oh yeah all that or <laughs> yeah i don't recommend playing flight simulator while you're on a plane that that one i thought was a, a smart idea turned out not to be not to be too hot but uh yeah anyway enough of that so one thing i do want to talk about here quickly before we discuss what was a pretty awesome super week uh, personally i think is of course we have duke here who is the head coach of uh, team go so it would be amiss if we did not discuss what i personally believe is one of the best rosters ever put together in the erls uh, no pressure duke uh uh, and for those again those of you who don't know those of you who only really watch lec and don't get to watch the erls that much i'll just do a really quick rundown basically all their players were either heavily linked with like either going to the lec or lcs this year or have already played there so like the bot lane for example was camilius and uh jeskler then of course takui who played jezu. in uh, jezu <laughs> jezu sorry jezu really sorry jezu fuck me uh then we've got Chikui, uh, who obviously played in the LCS. Linkas, who was also heavily linked with LEC teams. And Ragnar, Ditto, right? LEC and LCS teams. And these guys are all, like, super hot prospects. Even the ones that have uh, been and come back. This is, like, a red-hot team. So my main question, I guess, to you, Duke, is how different is it, like, or what is the juxtaposition like of being able to coach what looks like on paper to be a really promising roster, but also presumably having like pretty high expectations is it do you, are you comfortable in that kind of zone or or do it, does it definitely feel different than when you've got you know a less talented team in a weird way <clears throat> yeah um and it for sure it's different but it's for me it's really exciting to have a team that uh for like i've always coached team that were um at least at in the at the beginning of the year uh aiming at uh, at least seen as uh, low tier uh, teams and uh, first, in off season, it changes a lot because when you are in a low tier team of a of a championship like LEC, you can uh, you don't really choose in off season. You you get what you are you are you are given, and the, the top teams uh, take their players. So first in off season, it was pretty cool to be uh, after LEC to be able to choose pretty much the players I wanted. Um, and <clears throat> the coach, I mean, of course there is pressure, but there has always been pressure and. Uh, and to be honest, with time, I think I, I, would, I don't know if I handled it better, but it's more that I think I disconnected more from the, from all of this. I don't know. I don't really watch social media anymore, uh, and uh, I mean I deleted like Twitter things like this. And uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of fun with it. And coaching is really good because, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily the the high level, but also like I selected those players because of how they. 
who they were in real life and uh, and they are all smart driven and uh, and really easy to work with which like i've never experienced screams like this where every time you say something it feels meaningful and players are actually taking it into account and are going into the next game uh by like implementing it instantly so so far it has been really a pleasure and do you think like as a preference when you're dealing in the off seasons and you have like situations where you have maybe a slightly more talented player and then someone who's maybe more quote-unquote coachable are you someone who will generally go for the coachable guy or do you believe that ultimately talent topples all um i would say that i'm evolving in the sense that when i back in my vitality days that was huge failure um i went basically i i, I left splice very um confident in my ability of coaching and uh, I thought I would kind of gather like very good hands uh, together and I will uh, teach, them, teach them how to play properly. But in the end, it doesn't really go that way. And I learned it the hard way. Uh, also players that were uh, like, especially second year where we had a lot of very young players that were not really there yet. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I tried to put more emphasis on uh, experience. Uh, I would say also communication structure, having good voices in the team. Uh, and some that would be more quiet so we can have a balance. Um, so for sure, uh, I would um, I would value, I mean, it, it has to be a balance because if you don't have good uh, good hands also, you can't aim for the top for sure. The, the good thing for me is that in a sense, I got both this year uh, for yeah. LFL, so. Yeah. And do you, ha have you like set yourself um, expectations like do you have an idea in your head about what you want to achieve or is it one of these sort of you know go game by game kind of things like did you have a goal that you feel you want to achieve with this team i i want to win everything uh with this team i mean this team is designed to at least aim uh aim for winning lfl win, winning eu masters but um as much as i think we are one of the top teams along like the likes of k corp uh maybe you can talk about bds uh, I know there are also a few dark horses that are with really young players that can develop super fast. When you see last year, for example, with LDLC, it was the case. And I know it's the case this year with teams like LDLC, uh, Aegis, uh, yeah. and uh, I don't know if it's pronounced Aegis, um, but, yeah. um, and a few, and EU Masters, there are also a few very good teams um, in uh, EIL. I think SK Prime, uh, Movistar uh, come to my mind. So, like, it's definitely not a, a free road to the title. I think it will be heavily contested, and I don't know how we are going to fare uh, against those teams. But, uh, yeah, I, I think not aiming for the top would be a bit uh, not uh, fair to the lineup I have. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, me you mentioned there, obviously, sometimes, especially in the ERLs, a dark horse can come out of nowhere and kind of become, mm -hmm. like, a preeminent force, uh, as it were. It's speaking of that and you know having watched sort of g2 this this uh this opening super week are you surprised by how well yikes looking based on on what you saw last year from the lfl um has this sort of come out of nowhere for you or, or do you think this this could have been expected by sort of people in the know mm, i'm surprised at how g2 how good g2 is lo looking right away um and not necessarily by yike alone because He's playing very well, but this, uh, the team is playing for him. It's like it's really a team effort. Um, and since he's the one I had the most doubt on considering all the players involved, um, I'm a bit surprised. But 
I knew he had really the talent. It's just that I know that this player maybe, as far as I, but I don't want to spread wrong information, but I heard that he was not the most vocal uh, player within LDLC. And I, I was wondering how he would uh, match with players that are tact experienced, that uh, have, um, are used to, to, to have their, I would say, set place in the short calling uh, structure. And uh, so uh, he's meshing super well and he's, that's very impressive, but I know I knew he was a very very good player from watching in LFL because he's not only like he's not he doesn't have a polarized style. You know he was he was able to play pretty much uh, all style whether he was like he was playing with uh, bad lanes in the sense that LDLC was scaling a lot and he was playing defensive and still trading properly. Uh, he was also able to play super aggressive, carry junglers. Uh, he had his own pick, so he was super versatile and uh, that's. And and he had a very mature playstyle for for such a young player, so I was very impressed by him already. Yeah, Kira, what what do you think? Obviously, we talked about it a bit on on the tier list show, and suggest as Duke said, I think that's a good way of putting it. For me, maybe the most surprising thing is that it's like the players are more playing towards him rather than you know we were discussing how it's going to be really difficult for a jungler to cater to three lanes that all want to carry and have resources, right? But it's almost working out like the opposite right now. I mean, maybe that's too strongly stating it. Um, what what have you made of G two and Yike? Uh, no, like G2 are playing my like um my favorite style, which is when your winning laners play for advantage on jungle because, uh, in the history of modern League of Legends, jungle is the most consistent role to produce a gold lead on because it's the only role in League where you can farm the enemy's farm, so it's like double deficit. Uh, they've replicated it lots now, three games now in LEC. Uh, Were you surprised to see him do that on on Zach as well? Because obviously we talked about um, how, uh, you know, he's, well, the pleb take, I guess, is he's a carry jungler. He plays carry junglers and then he whips out. He, he, he didn't play Zach. He, he didn't play the Zach. It was Caps that played it, Zach. It, Caps playing Zach. Oh, sorry. I'm 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 griefing. Sorry. What was Caps playing? Uh, what was he playing that game? Uh, he was playing... Kindred, oh, he played Kindred that game, yeah. Oh, he played Kindred. Because they, they, uh, they hit the one with the bamboozle because they flexed the Karma Trot that game. Yeah. They thought it was a Karma bot for pushing and they flexed it into BB Karma. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, let me flip that then. Are you, do you expect to see the same thing when he does play these non-carry style cha uh, champions? Would you still expect him to be able to to play the same style or what are you expecting to see when that happens? It doesn't, it, it doesn't matter. It's more to do with numbers advantage with uh, pushing lanes. Uh, well, it is a little bit. Depends, like, getting good jungle matchups is obviously, like, it matters. And you could see when it, like, failed. Uh, game one against XL, Vito uh, comes on the Syndra and kills him at the Raptors uh, when Mickey X is on Heimerdinger. You know, that's, like, one of the failings. You overextend in the jungle. You lose your numbers advantage because you haven't looked because Caps has no mana and can't help the play. But when it works, you've got the push and bot lane. You have the support with you. You have the mid laner with you. You maybe have the top laner with you. But due to more or more often than not using the bot lane, um, like uh, the idea of like uh, like tanks like Sejuani and stuff, um, like uh, or like Zach or like they're like low damage champs and like carries and the one v ones and the two v twos if they exist will like kill them. It's actually it's not a dead concept, but it's not really like actually the reality of what happens in the game. It's not that they're like duelists; it's just that like. When there's like two people there, you kill a lot of people early game very, very quickly. And you like, I'll CC chain them. Like, 
even if you have Sejuani like knock up into Sejuani auto attack into Heimerdinger grenade or whatever form of CC it is, like lots of champions just die to that. Um, so it doesn't really matter if it's like Zach Sedge. I'm trying to think like Vi, the more like utility tanky based champs, it's replicable. Mm. Um, maybe not to the same degree or the same pace, but generally as like a great example if you want to see this is obviously Kanabe. Uh, Kanabe does it on Maokai, he's done it on Sejuani, done it on many a champ. Yeah, I mean, with... uh, I, I, yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, I, I, I would say the difference would be maybe that he would play less for camps itself, but maybe more for deep vision and trying to, uh, I mean, he would attack the jungler, but I think it would be maybe a bit harder to take that many camps away. And he will use the deep vision to create free gank opportunity, which, uh, or dive or whatever, which is what G2 have been doing already in the past, uh, past uh, three days a lot. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, we've seen already like quite sort of an eclectic meta, I guess. I mean, we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing like, like Jin support. We're obviously seeing the Ash and the Heimerdinger are like relatively high priority. Do you, do you think this is something that currently favors how G2 are playing? Or do you think they're just the ones who've sort of ad adapted earliest, but other teams all catch up? Mm. I think they don't necessarily play fully the meta everywhere. I think they try to be to play for pressure. Uh, and Sam anyway has always been playing for that with the counter pick on on bot lane. And they try to get what will be able to push them the lane. And they don't really care about I mean that much about their mid game uh, team fight synergy, which most teams are doing because it's way more reliable. Um, so they are, bit, they are, they are the, the only ones really fully committing to this full pressure play early game. Um, but the problem with this style is that you can't really make a mistake. Like if you make a mistake, a mistake the, the game is over. And every team would love to play that way, but uh, also it's way harder to, to do it on stage than in scrims. Um, and, uh, and especially when you play best of one, that's the thing. Like wh when you play best of one and you are not a team that is that confident, uh, playing those those comps that are uh, high risk, high reward, uh, they can straight up lose the best of one out of one game. So you don't, most teams are not going to play that aggressive, I would say. Are you surprised by how much, like, especially in bot lane, we're seeing like so much 2v2ing early and teams just like fully fighting each other to the death. Do you think that's because teams are kind of going for this all in more aggressive style? Or do you think that people just aren't that familiar with these like uh, matchup combos that people are just getting caught out and dying because there are an insane amount of early deaths in the 2v2s right now. It's, it's mostly because of the, the, the champions that are meta where um, like it's not always clear cut who is going to get the level one push uh, and who is going to, who is going to win the trade. It really depends on uh, the, like the, who gets one auto more, who is able to place the sums at the best moment, the, the ignite, the heal, are you healing over an ignite or afterwards? Like, uh, if you, also the, the summoner choice, uh, um, of the, of the two bot lanes, if you play double exhaust, for example, and, uh, and there are so many different, uh, combination, uh, uh, like, uh, two V2 yeah. possibilities that it's uh, pretty much no bot lane and maybe they do, but. Uh, at least mine doesn't always know, uh, knows exactly how this 2v2 is going to turn out. Like, 
if you play Lucian Nami against uh, Zeri Yumi, yes, you have played this one like 10 times, right? But if you're going to play uh, Sivir Ash into, uh, I'm, I'm saying random champions, right? Yeah. Uh, into uh, Yumi, uh, Yumi, Yumi Sona, for example, who knows, you know? And uh, so that's why, like, you have to fight for the push because once you have the push, like, so many things unlock and you, like, and you drop these often those bot lanes expecting to have the push. Also, your jungler is expecting you to have the push, and teams are a bit fighting to the death uh, to to make sure that uh, that they dominate bot lane. Yeah, I think if uh, we ever see Sone uh, Yumi locked in, we can probably delete League of Legends at that point. I think it'll be mm. time time to go home when that one happens. Yeah, uh, speaking of another team that is also 3-0, the only other team, of course, that's also 3-0, is Vitality. Now, this is a team that has divided opinion uh, like no tomorrow. On our tier list, I think you and me actually both had them as sixth, which I guess was pretty controversial. Yeah, but with context oh yeah of course with context yeah. and, and other teams have had them first place with context right but i think what you know we both said is vitality could win but they could also you know come sixth and i just think that on balance with all the variables it's more likely to go that way than the other way um i'm weirdly i'm still not can necessarily convinced either way like i still think it's very much up for debate i'm already getting people asking me saying ha imagine putting vitality sick to you more and more. like i think I this team same. i think this team could go anywhere like i think anything i think, could happen you, with I this think team. you've seen this by the way yeah i mean i'm 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 just gonna say i think i kind of alluded to it on on that show as well i'm really not convinced by perks at all um, I think one of the things that's looking quite good is Bo kind of looks like Bo for now. We don't know again if there'll be sort of a modicum of the Maorang effect where at certain points maybe he gets figured out. If he's get pushed, if he gets pushed onto certain champions, maybe he gets slightly figured out. I do think as a, a skilled player, Bo is more talented. So we'll see what sort of develops there. And there are promising signs of vitality. Like Photons looked quite good in a couple of the games. Bo looks good. The bot lane's been a bit patchier and perks to me even yesterday i thought obviously niski didn't have his best game but even though i thought, <laughs> I thought that uh, perks looked a bit off as well even though i think he ended with uh you know a lot of kills now these these two teams obviously play each other this week which will be super interesting duke what, what are your thoughts on vitality so far do you think this is a team yeah that, that could to challenge g2 at this point or how do how do you feel about this team overall so far I mean, uh, I did the same than you guys. Like, if I look at my tier list, I put them fifth if I had to be fully rational, and I put them seventh because, uh, like, on what I th like, I, I basically did a hot take version where I put seventh Vitality, Fnatic eighth, uh, because those two rosters for me, like, uh, I don't know, I, I saw like a trouble coming fr uh, fr uh, from the those rosters. Also, I, I had echoes from. Uh, um, Vitality's tryout and Bo was not speaking a word of English, but apparently it's wrong. Um, which, like, uh, for me, like a, a Korean top, a Chinese jungler, uh, like yeah. building this team around Bo makes no sense for me. Like, uh, you don't build a team around someone who, I mean, you can hope that he's gonna be good, right? But uh, someone also that has not been working for Vitality in scrims in uh, in summer, as far as I understood. Uh, and uh, and that doesn't really speak the main language. I think it's a huge flip. Um, but um, I think I've been very uh, impressed by Bo so far. I think he's um, fulfilling all the expectations uh, the fans could have in him, which were pure expectations since aside of solo queue. Uh, he was, uh, I mean, there was not much to, to see uh, aside of his LPL or his short LPL stunt. 
Um, he's extremely impressive in how he adapts to all the situations, how he changes uh, his uh, his routes depending on on the information that he gets. Um, mechanically, he has been uh, like perfect. Yeah. Um, so I'm very impressed by him. Uh, Foten is pretty good. Uh, he's very good, and he's a top laner. So in a sense, you don't really. It's not necessary that he's not necessarily fully uh, in sync with the rest of the team. Um, Perks, Perks, I was very disappointed last year because I expected actually a lot from uh, last year's Vitality. Um, so far, he has not impressed me, but his Azir's game was actually pretty good. Uh, um, and even very good, I would say. Um, so maybe he, maybe him and like maybe Bo will lift him uh, to another success, uh, a successful year. Um, and help him find his uh, former level because I, I don't think like age uh, is uh, an issue at all. I think it all comes down to motivation. Um, and um, yeah, and Neon Kaiser. I mean, Kaiser used to be insane two years ago. And again, maybe like those players, they they were not that great last year. That's the issue. Uh, aside of Neon, who was super underrated, I would say. Yeah. Um, but uh, so far, they have been very impressive and very um, decisive, which I think is the most important thing when you look at a team at the uh, at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can underestimate how much confidence potentially is having someone like Bo on your team, especially during the honeymoon period, can do. You know, mm -hmm. while he's still making out plays. One small thing I would just say, just because this is a pet peeve of mine, I know people were like losing their minds over the. Uh, the Baron play against Fnatic where like Fnatic overchased or whatever. Now I'm not going to say that Bo didn't play it well. Okay. Cause he did play it well. He pressed the right things at the right time and outplayed it. But that was like 80 to 90% horrendous play by Razork and Humanoid, I think was the other player. Yeah. Like, chased him into oblivion, like halfway down to like tier two target. Like this was so bad. And I, I think that, you know, it's good to sort of contextualize these things. I think Bo has been very good. I think, for example, how he played that key Baron fight yesterday was much more indicative of like really good jungle play than than that fight. But he's he certainly looked really good. What I mean, what do you think, Kira? Also, bearing in mind that they, as I said, they match up this week, G two and, and Vitality. How do you how do you see this one, and, and what do you think of Vitality overall as well? Do you think Bo can carry them past G two? Uh, yeah, he's like skilled enough to like arguably like win any like game of League of Legends he's just one of those players but most of League of Legends now is systems uh this looks like a perks enabling system rather than a system designed to enable bow I would actually say which kind of disappoints me yeah. and I think that actually kind of puts a limit on where this like team can go um barring obviously if perks's individual play gets better which I won't like I would never sell all of my perks stocks but it's been like quite a while since Perks was basically Perks, he's no longer part of like the elite grouping of uh, LEC mid laners. Yeah, sorry he's... to cut you off. That that's just another small oh, yeah. small narrative that's annoyed me on on the broadcast as well. This idea that he was in the MVP conversation. Like I think people need to sort of you know separate the difference between some people had this really out there opinion and what is sort of the general consensus or more reality. Like me personally. I thought Perks was horrible in half the games last season. I also thought he was good in a bunch of games, but I think actually if you go back and look at it, he was it was more, you know, the Jekyll version rather than the Hyde version uh, most of the time. But yeah, sorry to, to cut you off no, here. Okay. But, um, so 
I think if you're of Team Vitality, you should look at that Fnatic game and you should count that as a loss. Uh, or like think of it as like a loss. It obviously reads on your league stat, like on your league record as like a win, but like you didn't actually really like do anything to achieve a win. If you were to play like that um, 10 weeks from now when teams are more like refined or like a, a couple of months from now in a further season, um, you would lose the game more, way more likely than you already were. It took like legendary quantities of like uh, throwing from uh, Fnatic. Fnatic. Yeah. Second of all, is the one of the safer parts of Fnatic, which was Wonder playing Gragas. Now, it was said on broadcast, I'm pretty sure, and it was said as discussed on like Twitter amongst analysts that Gragas is considered a counter to Jax because of the body slam. Well, Wonders looked like shit every single time he's played the matchup on it, and he was getting fucking solo killed by Photon on it. So when you have like these like ideas of like counters and one of your like counters is literally losing it, it's like it exasperates like you know what I mean the effect you can have in the game, and then the game was almost like completely gone anyway. I think Team Vitality are very good. I think there's a lot of reliable players on it. I don't think they were pressed that hard. I think the mad line the the fact the game was basically borderline a loss, but they won it. Won it then. Good. Like, they came back into it. They they. Caught the throw, picked it up, executed on it, won the game. Good job. The Mad Lions game um, was a really hard game because I think on the, across the average, Aloya and Neske have probably got the, are going to probably have the best jungle um, two v two in the league. But uh, uh, Neske done some hundred meter sprint running down the lane. Uh, played the lane matchup really poorly. Uh, Aloya didn't play it that great and I think he got either. baited a little bit like there's a couple where obviously the final thing you see is Niski like flashing forward and dying but I felt like it's hard to tell of course because we can't see the comms but uh, there was one particular one where either support came mid or maybe it was Oyo I'm not sure and clearly they weren't going to win the fight and it looked like Niski was backing off but then his teammate went in and then he's like ah and then he like goes to trade like one for two yeah. but dies no, but yeah, sorry. To, go on. to be fair, like th this is like genius move from Bodo, like this this gank, because what happens is that <clears throat> uh, which which one Duke? the first the one that turns into a double kill for him or the uh, gravity the level six one? Oh, actually, actually, actually I think I, I'm missing uh, I'm mixing both ganks. The one the first the first blood basically. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the first okay. one, the one where he gets a double kill and sorry, not a double kill. Aloya no, gets a double kill and, after, and, and then Aloya gets double yeah. kill. So that's yeah, okay. So actually, yeah. actually, I'm I'm talking about the other one. I, I think I mixed the the two uh, the two ganks. So you're you're talking about the level six one where he kills. They catch out a lawyer, and then they can. When Vi, when Vi, so someone on Mads oh. who's not Niski steps up, and Vi looks like he's going to queue towards Niski, but then he switches it and kills the other player, and then Niski flashes forward and dies as well. This is the the play I'm mm -hmm. talking about. But e yeah, either way, sorry, go on, Duke. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I was uh, talking about the first play, but that was not the, what you guys were discussing. But the first play, Bo did something really, really insane. Is that he got invaded by um, Yoya and uh, and Ilisang, and um, they force him out of, of the jungle, and then they go to blue buff. But 99% of the junglers they would go back to their top side on red buff or try to farm, I don't know, to get next the scuttle. I don't remember exactly the timing, but basically back off the, this jungle, you know. And instead, he waited a few seconds and came in the exact same place and um, and and went to mid, to the mid bush. And he basically went between the lines, you know, and yes. uh, Niski, Niski, Niski 
like in that situation, you're on his key, you don't see Vike, you have the information that he got full start of his jungle. There is no way that you are expecting a gank uh, from this side at this at this very second. And uh, and I mean, the pathing I think was really, really insane. I, I really think pretty much no one would try this. Maybe Malorank because he's a psychopath. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'll raise you that's the logic, okay? Isn't that where Nesky was standing equally weak from Raptor side? Um, but because I it's think... why? Because it's why? Because he can flash R, he can flash um, QM. It's equally mm. as poor to be where he's standing from Raptor side. I, may, I, I don't know if he would have time to do this. Actually, maybe he would have. May, yeah, like, I yeah. asked myself the question. May, maybe he's dead on both sides. Yeah. Um, but that's what also, I think. yeah, that, that's that's. I think that's a relevant point. Anyway, but I think Niski made it so that he would also die on top side, right? But mm -hmm. I think most players would yes. play towards their bot side and wouldn't be ganked on the top side yeah. and mm -hmm. would still die. That's and the still thing. die. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I agree on there, and that's why it's good from Bo because mm. he slips through the net, right? Yeah. But. The, sorry, because we'll just come back, sorry, to discuss in team, vi uh, team Vitality there. I, but that was quite interesting. Um, where was I at? Photon, um, like, real, is uh, getting to play like, a lot of chats. He's getting to, like, isolate. He's getting really isolated um, matchups because of, of the massive focus on um, a bot lane, right? But like obviously like the not he's not the revelation is split but like split but like people have been discussing photon as like overperforming but if you actually go through his like games so he like beat like he beats like wonder uh, he beat uh wonder okay uh but in the counter matchup but if you look at how wonder's actually been playing this split not that good okay he's actually not been playing that good like at all he like got crushed by Zagenda in the exact same matchup as Gragas like the next again couple of days. He then played against Evi, and Evi actually solo killed him, I think twice, um, in the Jax versus Kassanti matchup, yeah? And maybe only once, but he definitely kills him once with a flip, right? And Evi was the best top player in that game. He was, like, very, very... Um, it was Kisan it was Evi he was playing against. I'm, a, I'm not griefing it, am I? Uh, they, um, they, yeah, they played against heretics, yeah. Heretics. Yeah, they played against heretics because Jack Spectra's on Callista and Mercer's on the Nautilus. I'm all, I'm hundred. I'm pretty. I'm pretty certain. It's all the games begin to blend, right? And Evi was the be best uh, top laner in that. And then he played against Chase, and I, I thought Photon was a better player than Chase anyway. Okay. Um, I but I think this against G two, this team will really really struggle because I don't think they will get a lot of the advantages that they've kind of been like relying on like unnaturally. They will not be there, but I also can see the game being very very close because Team Vitality have really good tools to plan for any opponent. Like they have like a very flexible bot lane, they have a very skilled top laner, they have a very experienced mid. Like Perks knows caps very well, plays with them a long long time, knows caps tendencies. Like, I, I can see this team being able to develop plans to beat teams that are, in brackets, better than them uh, just through a lot of, like, experience and using a lot of adaptability of uh, bow. Uh, I'm disappointed that the team plays more for mid than mm. both advantages. That's just me personally. It's not how I would envision the team. I think it's better done the other way around. Um, we will see the fruits of this labour. We'll see if, like, if they manage to get it... Um, how have they managed to pull it off? But that'd be my takeaway, roughly my general assessment of the team. Yeah, I think but Kaiser's also not still not quite um, there for me. But Neon looks pretty good. But like the bot lane, I should talk about the bot lane a bit. Sorry, Rich. Um, 
Neon still looks pretty good, um, but uh, Kaiser looks a little bit, still a bit ropey. But pretty, pretty okay to good, but still a bit ropey. Yeah, I think when it, especially when it comes to support on a new team, that's one I expect to like more slowly develop. And AD Carry, in theory, should be more plug and play, right? So I think Kaiser just probably needs a, a little bit more time. Yeah, to your point, I think that most people who put Vitality as number one or whatever, or as a title contender, have it in mind that the team is going to be completely built around bow. I think it's hard to envisage that they'll win best of fives against really good teams if they're playing to perks for example it just doesn't seem like that would be a super smart win condition obviously if you have really good mid jungle synergy in general it's it's kind of a symbiotic relationship where both get ahead right so i guess it can kind of work in that sense and to duke's point that the azir game they did that right like they were both running rampant in that game after mm -hmm. um the first few minutes so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, I think G2 will go into that best of one favoured for now. But um, yeah, who knows? Okay, moving on to uh, what is going to be uh, one of the most interesting matchups for me this coming week, which is going to be XL versus Fnatic. Uh, two teams who I think have a lot of uh, situational parallels, if you like. They both went one and two. They both, you know, in some fans eyes were sort of disappointing but i do think that needs contextualizing as well right like both teams had difficult schedules they played against in theory the the hardest levels of competition um and both had games that they could have won but went the either way right like they could easily both these teams could easily be two and one instead of one and two right so important not to overreact um i'll, I'll start with you duke on this one when when we talk about sort of xl again this was a team that really divided opinion a lot of people had them very low down on their rankings other people said they could win it maybe uh do you like the composition of this team do you, do you see a future or a scenario where this team does end up really challenging at the top or do you think it's already looking a bit ropey um and i think i'm a bit biased towards excel i put them third in my ranking but uh, when last year when I was streaming, I, I was often asked which was the team I would love to coach next year, and I was saying Odoamne, Zuxe, Vitio, um, and I would say I think I said Ansama as AD, but Patrick uh, goes well and Takamas because I think to me like uh, I'm really close to Vitio, to Zuxe, and to Odoamne, and I, I love the players and the guys, uh, and I really like uh, Takamas like brain, um, so um, I really want this team to do good, um, and I. I truly think in the potential on, of each of those players. I think uh, Zuxe and Odo are amazing. I think uh, Vitio has insane. Uh, I mean, he's very good and has insane potential, but he still has work uh, yeah. to do. And uh, um, their bot lane could be good. The problem, I would say, with their bot lane is like Patrick is a more usually. I mean, his strength historically has been maybe more lane and I've been playing aggressive, the likes of Draven and Kalista. But he has not been. I mean, no, he was. I would say he was. Um, he he was supposed to be that player when he arrived in LEC, but he never really fulfilled this uh, this expectation. Uh, and Targamas is more a heavy roaming yeah. uh, support. And so far, they have been disappointing. But I agree that they played the two best teams, which are G2 and Koi. Um, and what has been the most disappointing is the individual skill. I would say I think the players were a bit choking um, a lot. I would say bot lane a lot. Like bot lane got I think two v two killed every game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And yes. that's, I mean, 2v2 kills happen a lot in this meta, yes. 
but being 2v2 killed three times on three games uh, is not really More than acceptable. that, I think. I think they got two, yeah, big, two the, multiple times in uh, at you least one You found a correct word there. It's unacceptable. Mm. That's the correct word for it. Yeah, and uh, so I, I'm still very optimistic for Excel, but I know also that having a very rough start sometimes kind of shapes the team in a bad way. Um, but uh, I'm still optimistic, uh, optimistic, and uh, and I think they will bounce back against better team against worse teams than what they've been facing. But also the fact that they are Fnatic facing Fnatic too is, uh, I mean, they have a really, really, really rough schedule. They played horrendously against uh, BD. Wait, was it BDS the last game? Yes. Um, yeah. But I think also BDS uh, are actually way better than expected. Yeah. Um, yes. So I mean, I'm still I'm still optimistic and hopeful for my boys at Excel. Yeah, I think the the thing about Excel and what I like about this split is they're one of the teams they just need to get into GSL, and then I think once th that amount of period of time has gone past and they've had time to like really get an identity, and that's what Xerxes said on the desk as well, right? He's like, right now. We're five good players, but we have no identity on or concept of like how how we really want to play the game. I think if they can just avoid, obviously, you know, finishing bottom two and they make it to GSL, which I think they will, then I'm kind of excited to see what they can do with like a, a longer period of time. Um, yeah, what what do you think, Kira? Obviously, as Duke said, the two v two has been horrendous so far. Uh, it has to be said, and I think uh, a mistake a lot of fans will make especially is they see the names and they don't really think about what the strengths and weaknesses actually mean right it's like in theory patrick targamas wow arguably one of the best supports in the league arguably one of the best ad's in the league but actually recently neither of them can lane particularly well so patrick is playing the worst in his entire career in the lec he is maybe like actually from the start of the game, just the worst ADC in the league. <laughs> and Duke maybe talked about this a little bit here, okay? They have been playing a lot of... I think he played... No, he played two games of Varus. Yes. And a game of Lucian, right? Okay? Yeah. And and a game of Lucian Nami, the combo. Okay. He does not look comfortable in this champion. He does not... What Duke was talking about earlier, where there's like these bot lane matchups, and you've maybe not played them that many times. So... For example, the minute I seen uh, LAC, uh, XL's opening uh, strat against the Heimerdinger, where they didn't have people on bottom to stop the uh, turrets going down, you know what I mean? You go down to the bot lane early to kill the turrets. Um, yeah. I was just like, okay, do they know like about this strat? And it basically, a lot of it looked like they didn't know the matchups, they didn't know what they were doing, and everything else was exposed from that. I, I think the best player which has been crazy to me. The best player in XL by far has been Xerxes. Xerxes has been like a god sent to save, I think, to save XL from their best because the first game against G2, he they like entered the bot lane and then he was getting 2v1 invaded constantly and he was still somehow managed to find unique paths that wasn't fucking up his laners and wasn't fucking up everyone else and still keep it all, keeping up with Yike for a while. But eventually the full map just collapsed through bot lane and the junk, the deficit just became huge. But it was nothing to do with Xerxes. Like he's not a magician. He can't like beat numbers advantages. Um, to be fair, to be fair, uh, Xerxes aside of uh, when he was on 
well, Astralis or Origin, I don't remember which name it was at the time, he has been playing with mostly losing lanes for six years yes, now. Yeah. So he, he, he's a, a, an expert at, uh, at doing this. Yeah. No, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but what I was thought, Duke, was I didn't, my criticism of Xerxes was going to be like, oh, is he going to know, know what to do with the winning lanes? Like, am I going to be looking at Xerxes and being like, oh, I Bo and Aloya and Yike, they would be in the other person's jungle, taking these buffs, pulling target mass. Is he going to have the good synergy with target mass? We've not even got to that stage because yeah. Patrick can't stop dying at level one and fucking the entire game, right? The, the, the early inputs of League of Legends are so volatile right now that they can have extreme consequences throughout the game. So, uh, the other thing was uh, uh, another wee quick thing just before I, I stop my praise of Xerxes. Oduam and Xerxes look a little bit at this A couple of times, like Xerxes came top for the gank onto BB. That was a little bit out of sync. There was the two, the, the solo kill on Adam, where like Odo was going yeah. in and Xerxes was behind them. That was a bit out of sync. That looks like. It's not like friction, not, not friction's the wrong word, it looks like they just don't have like a dynamic or there's a little bit of communication failure there of what the actual playing timing is. It's very hard to identify who the problem's with, but those are the two best players on the team, along with uh, along with Vito. Uh, what the other, let, just to quickly go over the other game. The game against BDS, I really, really, really like their draft, but it's so fucking risky to draft like this. Because it is a very high execution draft. And they ended up behind in lanes, for the reasons we've already went over. Plus you have a TF, right? And they got through it by the fucking skin of their nuts, right? Yeah. But it was so close. And they played really, really badly in the actual fights themselves. But the compositional power was so strong, like the synergy, once they got it going, that it managed to like drag them through. I like those drafts. Uh, they're actually the types of drafts I would really love XL to become good at because I feel like they've got really cerebral players Vito, Xerxes, Patrick, Odo, right? But you need those drafts can't be played when your early inputs are so volatile with like Patrick's got laning problems you need to like if you've got really really bad issues like that you need to reduce the complexity of your mid and late game execution so that your early game can have like pillars to like rely on because the, if they had lost that BDS game, they would have been in so much fucking trouble, by the way. Like, yeah. They would have been one or two upsets away from not even making it to GSL. I would so... I would probably say the, the opposite, though, in the sense that I think they need to simplify how they play early game, especially like on bot side, and go for these kind of scaling heavy side lane comps because they've got the kings of late game everywhere, right? It's like Patrick is arguably, even though his laning has not been like top, top tier the last few years, he's one of the best team fighting AD carries in the league, if not yeah. the best. VTO is probably the best team fighter, or arguably, he's top one tier at least, mid mid uh, team fighter, especially late game carry picks. Oddo, obviously, he's always relevant no matter what, and the later the game goes on, it doesn't matter if he got smashed in lane, he'll still execute and fights correctly, right? And then, obviously... Um, Xerxes is like the ultimate I'm going to play fucking Ivan and scale into oblivion and shield my teammates <laughs> for fun, right? But these guys are built to drag you into the late game and then just crush you, right? The problem is 
as you sort of both suggested, they can't even get there. Like, or they, they're making it so difficult to get there because bot lane in the head, by the way, everyone before the season was rightly saying, oh God, you know, the way it's uh, the measured up and what the meta's like, there's going to be so much like uh, four man bot dives, etc. They don't even need that. They're just dying in lane without jungle intervention. They're just dying in bot lane. And then VTO, I think Vito's caught like a, a bit too much criticism, I would say, but he's not the strongest laner, right? So now Xerxes back in a situation where he has two losing lanes most of the time, right? But he's not losing, Xerxes not, lo uh, sorry, Vito, by the way, isn't losing in like a way that where like it's like unplayable, it's like, yeah. It's, 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 manageable. no, but he's losing lanes, he's losing lanes that are being picked for him, like he's losing, like he's been pushed in on like TF. And then, like, like moving to, like, side. He was, like, against Caps, he was on, like, Syndra Victor. And the matchup was perfectly fine until an Ash Arrow collided with his head, yeah. right? Mm. Like, um, what was the other matchup he played? That um, was really weird, by the way. Ari yeah, to Kassadin. Yeah, so they picked Ari, okay? So they, he, he's got, obviously, an input on the pick, right? Okay? But there wasn't a laning problem there. Like, he was pushing in the Cassidy, he landed loads and loads of charms. The problem was he had no fucking damage, because Patrick was the only damage source, and he literally just got blown up like fucking Osama Bin Laden every game. Like, every single time I'm watching them draft in those first two games, I was so frustrated, because there was so much right about the team, and then there would just be, like, these skew with, like, I have no idea what the fuck they were thinking about with that gin, by the way. Even in the context of when it was played, it, I, I just didn't see it being good, like, ever. Like, mm. e even if they hadn't lost the lane, oh, the gin. like they had. The gin, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the gin is used um, as counter matchup to Aimer. Uh, the Aimer, how, yeah. yeah? Yeah, that's how it has um, That's what Beryl popularized Aimer dungeon. Uh, and yeah, that's just the only moment where he's picked as support. Do you yeah, like? Do you the, like the, it sorry. as a as a pick, Duke, or do you think it's one of these things that's maybe a little bit scrim baity and is actually hard to execute? Uh, and that's the kind of information that I will uh, keep for myself. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Right, fair I'll, enough. I'll, 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 I'll just say that I think it's fucking dog shit into, <laughs> into Heimar without uh, the appropriate ADC, and the appropriate ADC is definitely not Varus into Ash. So that's my opinion opinion on it. I could be well wrong. Um, uh, to me, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. I as, look fucking dog shit. I don't. Anyway. I can't speak to like the sort of the the cool down minutiae of like the spe specificity of the matchup. But like holistically, to me, it really looks like a scrim bait pick, like a classic that pops off once in scrims that matchup, and you're like, holy shit, this is so op. But in reality, the way people play differently on stage, like, nah, I, I, that 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 doesn't look good to me. One other one quick thing, I would like to actually see Xerxes playing like uh because he's playing well, I'd like to see Xerxes playing more carries than like I like the Wukong, right? But I'd like to see him playing more carries than like the Vi and Maokai. Though I think he would be he is good at them and they are obviously like high damage champions because Maokai is a silly fucking goose. But I, I would like to get see him given a chance, um, a little bit of variation, you know what I mean? That's just a variation I would like to see. The thing is, I think they, as you guys have said, I don't think they've had a chance to play out a conventional game yet. And Xerxes is so good on the facilitative junglers. I was, I would actually just like to see bot lane not in the start of the game and maybe play strong top side or whatever and just see what happens and, and see, you know, what Excel playing a normal game looks like. 
Um, but yeah, I think so, it's just our unlucky week, Patrick. By the way, yeah, maybe. Yeah, sorry, also, there is not that many carry junglers that are being played at the moment. Like there is very few graves, uh, kindred here and there. We can maybe sometimes think about Viego yeah, a yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a bit in between. Um, and aside of this, I mean, it's, I'm not saying that they are not that they are impossible to play. I would say just that the current meta at the moment is mostly facilitators or even ganking junglers it's not really it's like it's not really a xerxy champion really is it viego um viego uh yeah i'm not too sure actually the game uh, they played like the karma they met uh, the the game that game they played the karma i understand it well uh, yeah, we're talking about this karma no no wrong game i'm fine i, I got it mixed up anyway continue on you yeah so I he, played of, he played a lot of viego actually it's in his career, he's sixth most played. Uh, he he actually hmm. played, so I'm pretty sure he plays it. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, so yeah, the matchup is obviously against Fnatic. Uh, based on what you've seen from these two t- uh, teams, Duke, what, who would you favor in, in this matchup, <clears throat> do you think? It's tough to... S- it's honestly tough to say because Fnatic, they are also so flippy. Like, Wunder is playing very bad. I don't have much faith in... I mean, actually, I was pleasantly surprised by Rox. Uh, individually, uh, but I don't have much faith in uh, Fnatic's bot lane, and I doubt that they will 2v2 kill uh, Excel's bot lane. Uh, so, the <laughs> Excel's is main would... yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Yeah, um, honestly, I would give the edge to Excel, but I mean, I, I know him, and I think it also highly depends on uh, which side of the bed uh, Humanoid wakes up, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, and it's like you, you never know, you know uh, what's gonna happen with him. Um, so yeah, I, I just that for me this team, this 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 Fnatic team was already looking pretty dysfunctional last year, and they brought in Reckless, who, um, I mean, who I would say like puts even more per, uh, like ego in this team, uh, maybe for the best. I don't know, but. Uh, the th- the first three were not really working together, and you put such a big figure like Reckless uh, and uh, rookie support that for me was not top tier even in ERL. Uh, I was not expecting much of this Fnatic lineup, um, but again, if some somehow something is created like a spark in this team where Humanoid is fully motivated to uh, come back to his former self consistently. Why not? But I, I would give the edge to Excel uh, if bot lane uh, don't uh, don't uh, in the game. Yeah, I think the the two problems I, that Fnatic has is one, I think archetypally reckless and humanoid on the same team. Like I would struggle to think of a worse combination of two people to put together. Uh, and also Wonder, right? Like Wonder's always like a recently at least always like a question mark of like. Will he return to his former self? Is he still like a good player? Yes, but he's not top tier. Like if anything, he does seem to kind of be like further regressing, which I think is obviously not a great sign. Kira, like, how do you how do you see this matchup? Who do you think? So the other my other favorite team comp. So G two had the best drafting. Dylan Falco has done it again. He's got them really really nice drafting. Good job to him. The team has obviously it's a team effort. Good job, you do. My two next two favorite drafts from the weekend was the Koi one three one draft with the TF, and the um, other one was the Poke Kite Comp from uh, the TF Koi. Yeah, it, no Koi. Sorry, um, uh, XL. Sorry, TF uh, Comp. Oh, one three one. Sorry, okay. apologize. And the uh, Poke Kite Comp from uh, Fnatic. 
the uh, Jay Savar uh, Malka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it disengages well with the Gragas, right? I thought that composition was really smart with the Ash, really great with the Savar. Uh, Koi, I think, thought they didn't even consider the Jay Mid angle, and then they went for uh, Jin ADC. And Zagenda just his champion just didn't have didn't have anything to do. It was that was one of those games where analysts often talk about this concept of like they'll look at two drafts and they'll be like, oh, this draft can't lose, right? How bad Fnatic would have had to have played to have lost that draft would be worrying. Like if they had lost it, basically. Um, I thought it was really, really good. I think they piloted it really, really sensibly. Wonder got some had some running shoes on and it still didn't matter. Um, yeah, it looked really good. I think Fnatic have shown a capability of beating better teams than XL. Saying that, and if I was to, if I was to be betting money uh, across the averages, I would say Fnatic would, on average, beat XL at this point in time more often. However, I think XL, if they, I've got a better chance of prepping to beat Fnatic because I've wondered. I think Odo and Xerxes can basically prep to destroy Wonder get a really, really good side lane lead, and I think they're good enough to execute on it. Um, VEO Humanoid's a little bit of a mismatch, where Humanoid really will push your shit in, and really will, like, crush you. He won't let you, like, coast. Uh, so I think they need to watch what matchup Vito was uh, in. And then, obviously, the bot lane, a little bit troublesome. One thing I would kind of like to highlight, and it's something I was even overrating, is... Actual bot lane support, I mean, sorry, support the level of mechanics right now to pilot and play through support. I was think, I think I was overrating how high it was going to be, where like Rox was going to be like a massive problem, mm. where I don't actually think it's going to matter as much as I, I initially did. You can create a meta or you can create bot lane matchups where it's very, very important. But I don't think we're in that meta. I could be very wrong. And I actually think Rox's mechanical deficiencies aren't going to matter as much as I initially thought they were. Uh, but I still think he's pretty bad. Well, even early season, actually, I think that's a good point, is that no support really has been playing particularly well at all. Even on G2, Mickey's been low-key inting like on quite a lot of situations it hasn't obviously really mattered yeah there's a lot of variance there's a lot of sloppy support play that's that's definitely true um one thing i would say sorry can i just quickly say something about Fnatic? yeah yeah. what's really crazy to me is in the game versus was it vitality am i getting it wrong yeah the game versus vitality where they're on they had the um yumi zere yeah uh Sorry, what game no, was it? Well, no, it was, against, it was against G2, wasn't it? It was against G2. Yeah. yeah the Fnatic G2 game, sorry. It yeah. was a Fnatic okay. G2 game, and they were in against the Draven, and they had the Zeri Yume, and they survived the first three levels. They survived the hard part of the game. They even, like, um, Razork even done this really cool path to cover the gank, and they opted into a 3v3 anyway, and through the entire game before it so could I even left off. I'm I'm gonna disagree a bit. I think they didn't survive the hard part. They died at the hard part. What G2 did here is that they bet like every, any decent team, especially playing against G2, against uh, yeah against G2 and handsome as Raven, will know that they're gonna try to dive bot <coughs> on third, and so the um, the jungler will always like do two camps into red into 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 bot side cover, and what G2 did was that the um, 
they forced out. I mean, they, they make sure that Razork was here, and and Yag didn't waste a second to to stay bot, and he actually took Raptors instantly, which means that afterwards you have your what was it Sejuani, right? Something. Um, yeah, it was Sej Sej Yep. So you have Sejuani that has uh, no camps bot anymore. Uh, that yep. contacts that doesn't have push bot, so she can't go scuttle. And okay. the only camp she can go is top scuttle. And the wave is bouncing. So in 30 seconds, you have a wave bounce, uh, bouncing bot, and the only thing you can do is go scuttle, and he has to sprint bot. Problem is that he's going to be level 3 100%. And Yike still has his bot camps to do. So he will farm his bot camps and come back bot level 4 to level 3. And you are playing against the bounce, uh, on the bounce. He doesn't against... have his bot camps to do because he cleared blue and grump. No, no, he didn't. He, he, he cleared his full top side, gang, uh, went uh, bot, cleared his raptors, and came back to his, uh, uh, to his, um, to his uh, bot side. And, uh, and, uh, and anyway, he gets level 4 on his bot side. And you have to fight level 3 to level 4 uh, against Kindred, uh, a Draven, that, uh, and, and Nautilus, and the wave is bouncing. So if he doesn't, basically, if they don't fight here, then they get frozen on forever. Like there is no way for them to unfreeze this situation. So the, the mistake, however, is do not go through, like um, Razor shouldn't go through uh, pixel bush. She should walk through lane and walk up with the, the, the bot lane and try to push out through the wave. But he, he got a good trade on Viego and thought he, it would be enough. Uh, but anyway, there would be a fight here. Should they die? Hopefully not. But... Uh, but uh, but there would be uh, there was there would be a fight one hundred percent in the next twenty seconds here. Hmm. Okay, cool. So let's pivot to uh, the other team that have obviously played both of those teams so far. They nearly threw the game against XL. They did lose to Fnatic, but they are a lot of teams uh, or a lot of people, sorry, favorite team to win the whole thing or be in the final or what have you. And that is Koi. Now, I don't want to spend too much time speaking about Koi as a whole, because this is a team that has basically four out of the five have returned from last time. My question uh, to you, Duke, is from what you've seen so far and also maybe sort of your opinions on, on how the team was put together as well. What do you think of Segenda and how do you think this will affect Koi going forward? Um, so, I mean, I coached Zigenda uh, back in the days, and I always knew he would be the in the future the best stop in NEC when I coached him. Uh, I think he was very not ready at the time uh, emotionally in terms of maturity, uh, um, and he. Can't, but I, I know that he improved a lot on that. And um, for me, like he was so good in LFL. For me, he was the best stop in LFL. Even me, if Cabochard was. Uh, shining more through Casey's playstyle, but I think Zigenda was like better by a large margin. Um, and uh, I think I ranked him uh, already second, be second best top of LEC in my ranking. Um, and uh, I'm no surprised by how he's performing and how he's going to perform, in my opinion. Uh, and I think he should, I mean, uh, depending on Oduamne, I think he can, uh, Zigenda can be uh, maybe the best top laner in LEC by, like, by the end of Spring Split. So yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm pretty confident in his uh, ability to to be in, to do an insane split. Do you think? Because uh, obviously, you know, in in terms of how you're looking at it, he has the potential to be the best. And obviously, for most people, the current best is Oddo. But obviously, they play the game quite differently. Like in forgetting any sort of politics or anything like that. 
if you have the four players that they have, which top laner would you pair with that team to have the most success? Do you think Segenda better fits that playstyle, or do you think it auto fit better fits that playstyle? Mm, I see. That's a good question. Um... Because I would say, like, Sikanda maybe has a more carries playstyle, and uh, Odo uh, is more is more of a supportive weak, uh, weak side player. But he, in my opinion, he's misused because he can also, he could also play carries. But I don't know if it's because of the teams he has been in, or he's not his uh, his personal uh, preference. Well, we saw mm -hmm. it once on Schalke, right? He was playing carries like every game and was really good, and then it just yeah. magically stopped. I mean, because I remember when I was, I felt like he was in so many teams where he was forced to play tanks. Like when I when I coached him at Splice, uh, he was pucked on tanks because we were losing bot and mid a lot. Uh, and uh, we couldn't even afford to have Zuxay covering three lanes. Uh, so he was play, play, picked on tanks. But every time in scrims, he was playing like the likes of Camille, of Rumble. And he's not really, I mean, he's a carry in a sense, Rumble. Uh, but uh, like he was always very good. Uh, same at H2K with Forgiven after he had to play like full time because the team was so bot, bot centric. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I would like to see Odo on more carries. That said, on both playstyle, if we consider like what we have seen in the past uh, years from both, what would be best for, for Rogue? Mm, I would say that may, maybe actually uh, Zigendao could. Uh, spice up a bit uh, Rogue's gameplay that is sometimes a bit too uh, expected in the early game. Um, a predictable, more, I think is more the, the, the word. But does he ha does he have the reliability of an Odo Amne? That's more the issue. Or So it's it's honestly like I, I know both and I'm good friend with Odo Amne, but it's not about like my relationship with, with both. But... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's tough. It, I really don't know the answer because for me, like you, we are talking about the two best top laners in the league. So I think anyway, you are in a rich man situation, you know, yeah. when you have to choose between both. Yeah, I mean, I think the simple answer, I guess, will be we'll see, right? Like there's a hope. Like one of the things I really like about the new format is we're going to get loads of series play. I'm pretty sure Koi in at least two of the three splits will reach the playoff, which is like the top four teams. So, yeah, I guess we're, we're going to see because, you know, easy to forget that Rogue made three finals, right, uh, in the last four splits or whatever it was. So we'll we'll see what they what they do this split. Um, what, do, what do you think uh, about Koi so far, Kira? What are your feelings on what you've seen? I mean, obviously, to preface, because we talked about this last time, one of the big concerns you know, you and me both had, or actually I didn't initially have, I had it after you reminded me what the jungle meta was looking like, is obviously Maorang. How is Maorang going to be in a more not Maorang meta, let's say? Uh, it like, looked bad. It looked yeah, really bad. It, I agree. It looked, I, I agree. It looked really bad. Um, That's my biggest concern. It, it, right but the problem is, is it's probably just not bad enough to stop them winning games most of the time but it could just be it will make me bad enough to just stop them from ever winning at lec it depends it really really does depend uh on like a lot of like factors because there's a lot of really i'm gonna use the wrong word here like kind of like toxic picks where malrang's like early ganking style if it can get them ahead will result in somewhat like free wins 
um, or like wins where even though he's down like a hundred CS compared to his junglers, they might still just win anyway. Even so, you know, I mean, these things can happen. I across the board, Koy are basically the only team where they basically matched up perfectly to what I expected them to be. Um, mm. player for player, person for person. Older games, apart from the gen pick, older games basically just looked exactly like how I thought they were going to look. They played almost exactly how I thought they were going to play. Pick basically exactly how I thought they were going to pick. Um, I think they should be abusing Trimby's champion pool a bit more in this meta, uh, making everyone else a bit more like squeamish. I don't think you can pinch Trimby's champion pool in this meta right now. That you could throw bands at it all day and it probably wouldn't make a difference. It's just more what you want to get your hands on. Um, but yeah, I really like Koi. I think Zagenda's pretty good. What's interesting about it is there might be like a reality where um, Zagenda ends up actually being a better player for Koi winning LEC splits than Odo ends up uh, doing, depending on how the Malrang equation continues to run. Though I reserve doubts how he would then perform against international play and in, in, in terms of international play, but that's a lot further uh, down the line. Well, I predict. think I think the ultimate irony is, as uh, as you've sort of both alluded to, is there could be a world where Segenda, because again, the big problem with Rogue, as Duke said, was they were incredibly predictable. I think the reason why Mad Reverse swept them is because Rogue only had a plan A. They had no plan B. They played exactly the same way every single time. Uh, I think they just got better as a team and better as a game. And um, and honestly, I feel like Comp fit that team better than Hans Sammer did, even if you prefer Hans Sammer as an AD carry, just because Comp is more of a psychopath than Hans Sammer, right? Like he actually did have that kind of, um, yeah, don't know what to expect element that I actually do think helped Rogue. And I think the irony could be that maybe Segenda is actually a better fit because Larson, Larson will never change his play style. He's he's Froggen, right? He is Froggen 2.0. He will never change. He is that rock solid laner, rock solid team fighter. Still not necessarily the greatest understanding of side lane, but he's getting better in that area. But you know what you're getting. Oddo the same, right? Oddo is Larson of the top lane, basically. Rock solid laner, historically very big champion pool, super reliable. Um, mainly plays weak side, but can play carries. I think Sekenda could end up being a better top for Rogue, but I think the irony is that they will not win because of Maorang, not because of top lane. I actually think that that is a very, very real possibility. Like maybe you did upgrade for you for this style of play. Maybe you did upgrade top lane, but actually you're not going to have as much success as you did with Otto, but not because of what's happening in top lane, but because you should have switched jungler. I think they've maybe been baited by the success they ultimately had and by the way this is all in the context of maorang is a good jungler right i don't think anyone's saying maorang's not a good jungler it's just in the context that when you're dealing with championship level teams something that g2 always used to be really good at is even off the back of winning splits they would still make the difficult decisions to upgrade players right obviously emperor and hybrid got switched out for like mythy and zven they could easily have just ran it back and we're fucking kick his top i think right um, so I think it's a situation where is Maorang good? Yes. Is he a championship caliber jungler in every meta? Like, is he meta proof? I would say, show me that you are. And I suspect well, that he th might This not. is the, the, the problem. Uh, I'll, I'll let you like fire in here in a minute, Duke. Um, 
the one of the problems I have, uh, it's nothing to do with, you can win championships um, with Malrang. You could win dynasty amounts of championships with Malrang. If you get the right players around them, you could win like four, five, six championships in a row, I'm pretty sure. I have no problem with that. That's not what Coy's trying should be tra- thinking of. When you have Larson, Com, Trimby on your team, some of them, like the best key places in Europe, your aspirations aren't LEC titles. Those are like you, where you put your foot, foot first. You should be trying to win or get to the finals of MSI. You should be trying to get to World Semi-Finals. You should be trying to get to World's Finals. And if you watch Worlds and what happened at Worlds against like GDG, like it, it was just Malrang. Malrang just fell to pieces. He didn't have a champion he could pick. He had all year to practice and increase his champion pool. It was literally like leasing into the Kanavi's graves, and it was one hundred a uh, one hundred CS deficits like every game. And you had like you know Larson playing out his absolute mind. Yeah. Odo was playing like great. Like Comp wasn't playing as well. Like whatever. But like it was just an absolute travesty. And for me, Malrang is just a player that should be at a lower level and with a lower level core than he is but he's on this core and so now you've just got to analyze it as it is and i think that i think this team is going to actually still be very very stable still very very consistent i think they're going to be they'll be one of the hardest teams to beat in a bo5 drafting is a little bit of a concern for me Uh, they're like adaptation to the fanatics picks and some of the stuff some of the lines that they take are a little bit weird but Overall, they are literally the team I expected them to be, and I'm kind of happy with the result. Yeah. Did you want to say something, sorry, Duke? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'm not as harsh as you guys are on Malwang. I actually love his. Uh, uh, I mean, he's. I, I wouldn't love to to coach a team where he's in because it must be exhausting, but he's doing his own thing and i think being uh, such a, a flip and uh, a flip jungler and with uh, some would say uh, psychotic or, or, or other would say creative uh, ganking routes you know uh, i think you know when you have carry potential of a play like comp uh, player potentially like for example ziganda uh, and uh, and to some extent larsen i think it can really work well so indeed against a farming jungler um, he he was not able to do it, but in each team, like the team that folks usually have uh, someone who is sacrificing, um, maybe not at the highest level at uh, at Worlds, and the problem is that he's only he's the, he's always the one sacrificing, which is maybe the biggest problem. Is that then you they are they become even more predictable? But I'm pretty sure he can actually play a totally standard playstyle. If uh, like for example, if you look at his solo queue, like he's playing, uh, he's at not playing like this at all, you know, in solo queue. It's only, only a troll for some reason. Uh, so I'm pretty sure he could play something else uh, if he, he needs to. Maybe if we see a full Graves, uh, Kindred, Olaf meta, you know, for example, maybe he will, uh, he will adapt and play it. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually uh, confident in his ability to do it. So for me, uh, f- I mean, personally, I placed Koi first in my ranking. Um, uh, because I was not expecting G2 to be this good, um, and I don't think Broken Raid is as good as the other top laners. I had doubts about Ansaman. I mean, I don't know if it was like Rogue at Worlds with Ansama's level or Team Liquid's Ansama. You know, you you yeah. kind of never know. Um, but uh, I'm surprised by G2. But yeah, Koi for me should should work with Malrang, and I I think I, I see them in final against uh, against G2. 
So yeah, the, so what I wanted to ask you guys on on that note is which team for you so far has been the most surprising team? Like which is the the furthest away from your oh, expectations? What BDS. You... I BDS. likened BDS to constipation, mate, and yeah. like literally being like a team like not worth it. Like I, I genuinely thought that team would would almost every, every single game would be like similar like play patterns. I'd be like Adam gets like a bunch of kills top. Three losing, like two losing lanes, they lose the game anyway. Adam doesn't get a bunch of kills top, and and then it's a bunch of losing lanes anyway. You know, I mean, it was just going to look the same, right? It's not been like that. Um, somehow, some planet, they have managed to find something that like works for them. It's a bit bonkers to watch, to be honest. Um, a nuclear in. Um, he still should not be in the LEC, unfortunately, but he has not been the problematic player that I thought he was going to be. He's actually played like a lot better um, than I think many people are even willing to give him credit for. Uh, Crowney has been yeah. playing to a level I don't think most people expected here. Uh, Shio has... Looks like he has that hesitation in him of like a rookie that's taking the step a step up, but a lot of his like general like I'm I mean the hesitation of to like pull the trigger on like a play. Um, it was like again the XL game where they were like just being slowly like choked out. There was lots of times when I was watching him say Joanne and I was just like you have to like go here. Eventually you do just have to go here, and he had the ability to do it and he wasn't pull the trigger. It's very hard to tell if people are not... If obviously he's coming, he wants to go, and other people are saying no. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell those things. But, yeah, they're 100% my um, surprise of the split. I think they look way better than they have any right being. Um, and it's really pleasant, because they make a lot of the games that they're in really actually interesting to watch. It's kind of like crazy League of Legends, but it's entertaining at least. I mean, I, I yeah, as, as you know from the thing, I was a little bit higher on BDS, just because I think actually they have two lanes that they can win through potentially right i think adam is a good carry player on certain champions like i think he is a legitimate win condition he's clearly very inconsistent at this level um and can't be like fully relied upon but there's lots of talent there and i think he can i think he's worth the best way i put it is i think he's worth like two wins for bds by like playing through him potentially which is a lot when you look at the content it's a bo1 only round one round robin right like if you're the reason your team wins two games that's fucking huge right and then uh the bot lane uh, i mean i'm a bit biased of course but um yeah like i think lab rob is very talented even though he's not been you know let's just say the guy that can really casually with his eyes closed get to 1800 elo whenever he wants is not necessarily reflected in LEC, right? But, or hasn't been always. But I think he is a talented player. And I think Crowney, I think I was a lot higher on Crowney before the start of the split than most people were. So I'm not like super shocked. I am surprised like Crowney is playing really fucking well, like really well. So I'm not going to pretend I thought that was going to happen, but I thought that was a, a bot lane which could win some 2v2s at LEC level. Obviously, Nuclear in, I'm not a massive fan of. But again, yeah, as, as you said, I don't think he's been bad yet. Our, our jury's out for sure. Let's see how uh, how he gets on like the next few weeks. But yeah, so I'm, I'm not I'm not uh, super shocked by them. For me, it's easy. It's G2. Because obviously, I had G2 fourth, which now looks like sacrilege. Uh, and again, we'll, we'll see. Like, 
I'm way... So to me, like how Vitality have started is potentially way more fraudulent than how G2 have started. I think what G2 have done looks more sustainable to me. And maybe Vitality, we'll see. Like maybe they'll develop their new team or whatever. But for me, it's definitely definitely G2 is the most surprising team for me so far. What, what about you, Duke? Mm, I would the thing I would say Vitality or Vitality compared to my expectation, but I agree that BDS can I mean I, I rate I ranked BDS like sixth in my personal like hot take prediction, uh, and uh, and I, I, like the thing is, you know the BDS players like first Adam uh, I was really not a fan of him in the, his first year. I think he was very overrated by uh, K Corp fan base. Um, yes, I said it. Um, and uh, and uh, you're lucky and you don't he, use Twitter he, anymore, Duke. That's uh, yeah, um, but, uh, and, and he went to Fnatic uh, way too early for me compared to his gameplay maturity. And I think he was exposed a lot actually at Fnatic, but even if the team helped him a lot. Um, and when he came back to, uh, uh, I mean, he went to LFL, uh, to BDS was not great, but when he came back to LFL, I think his summer split, he drew a lot actually, and he became super strong, super reliable, uh, very smart player, like in a, in a league that had very, very good top laners, even yeah. on, on LEC level, like when you have Kabushad, Ragnar, um, uh, Ziganda, um, and him, uh, very, very good tops. And uh, for me, he, he, I mean, he was one of the best players in LFL in, in, in summer, and I was expecting a lot from him this year. Um, Shio also, I think, maybe not as good as Yike, but by the end of the year, he was close uh, in LFL. Um, and um, and Kroni Labrov was a bot lane when they played in Vitality in summer split. Um, uh, I was not there anymore, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, they were actually doing super well in 2v2s. They were the most performing uh, 2v2 uh, duo in uh, in ending phase uh, in summer, in terms, statistically speaking, in terms of uh, 2v2 kills. Uh, and um, and Nuke, and Nuke, you know, I know he's not really always highly rated, but he was in pretty poor teams. Um, and he was, he is still very young. I think from the players I know and I talk to in, within this roster, um, what they have in common is that they are super smart, and I think that's a very under underrated quality. Um, and that definitely not players are all super smart. But uh, I talked to Nuke. I remember in an interview for I don't know if it's for what Vitality or I don't remember, but uh, he really really looked. Uh, I mean, I really wanted to work with that guy. Tron is a very very smart guy. Uh, and uh, Adam actually is very smart. He doesn't really uh, uh, look like it on social media all the time, but he's actually a, a very smart guy. Um, and all those guys together, for me, like for me, it's a bit the time, you know. They are confident after what they did in LFL for for the most part. Um, I was ex I'm actually expecting a lot from from BDS, and I'm optimistic about them. I thought your mid laner should have been their mid laner. Yeah, Takuri. Uh, that. I thought Takuri should have been. That seemed I thought like Takuri a match made the mid laner. I know you can't talk about it. I'm just giving my opinion. Like, I watched Takui in NA, right? And I literally just watched... I've never watched Tier 2 League of Legends in my entire life, so I had no idea who Takui was, right, okay? And I watched him, like, gra like grab screaming children, like, through, like, NA. Like, it was insane, the carrying that that man was doing. Like, I was like, holy shit, they've, like, they've sent the prodigal son to NA. Like, the carrying that he was doing was insane. I was super impressed with the crew in any, and I actually thought, like, obviously you can't get handed the keys to the Ferrari straight away, but if you look at, like, people like Dayor, Nuke, 
Um, who else? Sertus, maybe. Sertus, yeah, right. If you look at those players and they're allowed to have multiple seasons in, like, LEC on the, like, the basis of, like, fucking nothing, right? What Takuri had done was way beyond what any of them have showed me, even if it wasn't, like, any. Like, I, 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 I thought that guy was fucking wicked. Yeah, I, I thought I thought the French the I thought the French connection as well maybe the BD I don't know Nukes obviously French Nuke, of Nuke is, is French and played with Adam back in the days. Uh, they were coached with uh, strikers. Uh, they were coached by striker uh, also back in the days together. Um, so yeah, they they know each other and I think that was like they all had pre-existing synergy and they are pretty good friends. Yeah. No, but no, B BDS looks interesting. I hope they can make the GSL at least because, uh, yeah, I'd like to see them in series play potentially. Um, okay, cool. So before I let you guys go... Oh, Duke, who was your like, uh, team that you thought overperforming? Did you say your team? I, I said BDS. and I mean, compared to my expectation, I would say Vitality, but compared to what would be... Uh, like I would say, my, for example, from my rational tier list, my logical tier list, it would be BDS. And from my personal hot tech tier list, it would have been uh, Vitality. Right, no. Okay, sorry, I messed up. Uh, yeah, so just before I let you guys go, I want to get your two predictions on what are, I think, interesting matchups this week. Uh, the first one is XL versus MAD. Now, obviously, MAD are two and one. Um, they look, or they've been playing a little bit better than... Uh, I, I I think I had them seventh or eighth. I think I had them eighth, maybe, on my tier list. I'm not sure. But I also don't think they had the hardest games uh, last week. Mm -hmm. um, XL may be the opposite, the inverse, right? They're one and two. Um, I've personally got XL taking this, uh, but not necessarily based on merit so far, if you look at the gameplay over last week. What, what, what do you think, Duke? What do you think of this matchup? Yeah, I, I would put still Excel because for me, like I stick to my guns in terms of uh, power ranking in a sense that for me, it's a bit too early to draw conclusions. Excel, uh, of course, games, when you play the top teams in the league, I mean, aside of BDS, and your bot lane dies uh, level, level one or two, no, should, the game should basically be over. And actually, the game went pretty long against Koi. Uh, and, uh, I, and I expect them to just step up their individual level after what happened la last week. So I think Mada should be decent, but I don't see him being a great team this this split unless uh, Mac does uh, does magic, and I wish him uh, to to do mm -hmm. to do it. But um, uh, but yeah, so I, I would uh, put Excel fa favorite for for this game. What about you, Kira? I like to like highlight a little storyline right now. Karze uh, Hellasang Redemption arc. Um, they have actually been playing a lot better than I've ever seen anyone giving them credit for. It's they would hunt. They 100% needed to step down from the top top teams, but if both of them can get their at like get their like uh, consistency and their vari variation down, this is a top team if they're both on it. Like a lawyer, um, them to Niske and Chase or whatever, um, can be a, like a top team or like a team that's like punching or maybe attempting to upset those top teams if they too become a consistent winning factor and they've looked really really good in all the games they've played. I'm really happy for them both because I actually like them um, as players, even though I'm hypercritical of them because of like what they've of the, what they've done to previous teams in the past. I would prefer to see people like Carzy be good um, and consistent rather than just like losing the plot like game to game. Um, I think 
on what the game on the strength of games play, on the strength of the the games I've shown, as long as Nevsky doesn't just run it down into the ground, Matt should beat them. But I think XL will have the better prep and like can come in and like like prep for them better. They've got the tools in their uh, toolbox to beat them. Yeah, I'm I'm not a believer in Kazi Hillasang at all. I I, <laughs> I concede that this past week that they had a good performance overall. Um, I just no 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 I don't believe. Like the thing is as well, especially that Kazi has had periods where he's had like decent regular seasons and then just completely sprinted it in playoffs. Even in the GSL, which isn't technically playoffs, I think Maddle will make it into GSL for sure. I think when you have two wins at this point, like most likely you only need three wins probably to make GSL. Um, or yeah, maybe you're in a tiebreaker yeah. or something. But th three wins is probably like the goal, the minimum goal at least. So they'll probably make it to GSL, I would definitely assume. But I think as soon as series play starts, I think uh, both of them are a liability in uh, draft and series play. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a believer, but... For the purpose of a best of one, who who knows? Uh, okay, and the last game I'm going to get you guys to predict, which is maybe, I think you probably know where you guys are leaning here already, but can Astralis get their first win against BDS? And if not, are they going to get any wins? Because, you know, you've got to beat these kind of teams if you're going to make it to the GSL phase. Duke, do you see Astralis making it to GSL? Could they win this game? No, no. Uh, I mean, could they? Yes. I mean, anyone can beat anyone technically. But I would, if I had to put my to put my money on it, I wouldn't bet it. I think Kobe is actually playing very good. Um, I mean, Kobe does it every season. You know, he plays better than people expect him to 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 play, and um, he's very solid. But the rest is a bit shaky. One one three was not as bad as people expected. Uh, also, but I think Dio is. Um, I he I heard he's a great guy and a uh, very good team player and a very smart guy. But he might in the mid lane department where you have to be uh, to be. I don't know. You guys are laughing, but yeah, you just no, said it's like just... a famous uh, no, yeah. a famous meme in the English like world. If a player's really really shit, the first thing you tell about them is you'll say, "Oh God, he's a great guy." And <laughs> no, but that's that's true. Is what like, yeah, the yeah. thing is. You know, when you like you, do, that's what you don't see. And and, and for me, I've I've come to yeah, appreciate as, as a coach uh, th those kind of things because it's like when you have a player that is so easy to work with and that facilitate the the the, the group. The problem is that on mid lane, you can't really sacrifice uh, firepower in a sense. You know. And he's lacking firepower uh, at the moment. He needs to moment. be a support player. He needs to be mm. a support player. Just transition yeah, to support. He does. Or even yeah. a jungle, you know. But yeah, or a jungler, uh, yeah. But um, and look, for example, Cadrol, and he became a great caster. But uh, uh, but uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> That's good. True. Dude. That's good. But yeah, no, but, I, um, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Sorry, go on. No, but I basically, I, yeah, I think uh, BDS are gonna gonna win against uh, Astralis. Yeah, I think the the problem is like obviously you know the, a lot of scrims and stuff is fake data. My understanding, I mean they said it themselves, right? That like scrims were going really well or whatever. And I think one one three went in like a little bit too confident. I'm kind of sad for him because as you say, I don't actually think he played that badly. I mean personally, when he was on K Corp, I thought this guy was horrible. Like if I were to take two months, lock myself in the basement, and spam jungle. I could I could play jungle better than this guy. Like fucking horrible. But 
Then I actually, you know, apparently scrims are going super well. He was playing really well, comes on stage. And actually, I think his individual performance was quite good. But now the problem is you didn't win any of those games, not necessarily his fault. But how's the confidence going to be? And is his sort of little purple streak of momentum over? So I think that is like a massive potential problem. And if they can't beat a team like BDS, who are not a bad team for sure, but where are you going to pick up your wins, right? Like SK is another team, which um, some people have mixed opinions on. I actually had SK fifth. I was kind of low-key cheating because I knew how ridiculously well they were doing in scrims and... Maybe that hasn't translated to the the stage super well, but again, Get S rich. SK. Hey, SK could still could still be decent. Oh, you lose scrim data on people. Yeah, well, Duke, Duke isn't that much of a hater, Rich, but I am. Fuck Finn. Fuck Deja. They are wasting three people on their team's time. By the way, this pro entire project, if they are a group of players from winter into spring into summer, those three members of their team will have categorically wasted their fucking time playing a full year of League of Legends with them, right? Because this is tier one LEC level League of Legends. They can be a great guy somewhere else, but I am fed up with having to say see Deja and Finn run it down and. Mate, fucking Kobe could be on Mad Lions and it would look good. He could literally be on a team. He could be on so many teams and it would still look good enough, right? He's with Jeong. That bot lane has been chain griefed over and over and over again. I thought this team was going to be what BDS is. I'm sorry. Holy shit, this team, there is barely any redeeming qualities. I watched their dragon set up. It consisted of praying to God the other team had them warded and running into the pit and just hoping to God the jungler didn't come over the wall and steal it and the other team didn't come to it. It was awful. They are so fucking rotten. It's unbelievable. And I feel so sorry for the uh, the, the good players on this team if they do actually end up sticking it out because you you could end up with one of those like records. Like, what is the only team to have went back-to-back -back splits without winning any games? Because... The only way I see this team winning is if people like Omega throw like into them. It's it's actually just fucking tragic. As I said before, if this team had like Magi Felix on it on mid or something, or someone with like an upside, if it was like Magi Felix mid, right, and Finn was still top, right, they would have like a mid to late game um, team fighters and Kobe and Magi Felix where they might scale and just randomly win a couple of games because they execute in team fights a bit better. But there's barely any redeeming qualities here because there's barely any firepower and it's tragic. So fuck them. I think uh, Magi Felix would not be a good option but he'd still be a massive uh, upgrade over day or so I guess that oh, that's what the... I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's exactly. the point we're at. I think that the thing with Kobe that's crazy is every offseason, it's he, especially because EU's so stacked with AD carry talent, it's like he's going to be the guy who potentially goes out of the league, <laughs> right? And then he hangs on by the, the skin of his teeth. But then a few weeks into the league, you're always like, but why is this guy hanging on by the skin of his teeth? He's actually quite good. Like, it, he feels like he's but, been disrespected. Uh, yeah, sorry, go on, Duke. The problem, I mean, I, I, I know Kobe quite well, and the problem of, of Kobe's um, perception and when you build a team is that he is a bit part of the, the old guard of ADCs. That, for example, at the time when there was Kobe um, Reckless that were dominating the league, you could get away with playing, with not playing Draven, with not playing Kalista, and, uh, and chilling chilling in lane and doing really good team fighting. 
problem is that mo modern ADCs, the young ones and the new ones, they all play those kind of champions. And it's and it's on those champions often that you're gonna win. That you expect the the ADCs in top teams to be able to consistently play those champions and confidently also, uh, which requires a lot of uh, time into it. And I think that has been pushing away ADCs like Kobe and Reckless that are a bit old school. I would, like uh, Trani is sometimes a bit on this side because he doesn't necessarily play those champions, but he also has his personal weird picks uh, uh, to uh, to to sometimes pull off. But uh, yeah, I would say that's a bit the downfall of this this uh, old guard of AD carries. Hmm. Right, and just before I let you guys go, if we all believe probably that Astralis will be one of the teams not to make GSL, one name, who's the other team that's not making it to GSL phase? Kira, who have you got? It's actually sad, but just based on probably player strength alone, I think it's actually going to end up somehow being BDS. But I can actually see there being a tiebreaker for it. I think there'll be a tiebreaker between maybe like SK Gaming and um, SK Gaming and fucking BDS for that. But I would probably say just BDS because I think actually in the game they'll play better, but I think they'll win less games. Gotcha. What What about you, Duke? Astralis and... And Heretics, I think. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about. I literally forgot they existed. We didn't even talk about them today. But no, I'll 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 co-sign that. I'll go Heretics as well. That's a good shout. I was thinking it's between them. I was like them BDS or SK. Eh, who am I going oh, there? Heretics. Quick one thing, just on the Heretics point, because it's good for this week. Because I forget next week. What do you think of Ruby right now, Rich? Uh, <sighs> meh. Like that sums it up. Like I think again, like I I don't think he's been horrible. I don't think he's been good. I think he's been default. I think the problem is in mid lane you need to be better in LEC mid lane. You need to be better than meh to not hurt your team. As harsh as that sounds, I think you can be a meh support and your team can still be good. Mickey X, for example, right now I would argue with that, but I don't think that that uh, works when you play mid lane. So yeah, that's that's how I feel about him. Um, okay. but yeah, anyway, uh, thank you guys for watching. Thank you both so much for joining me. Uh, great to have you on Duke and, uh, yeah, we will see you guys next time to see it. By the way, my tier list is looking so horrendous right now. It's ridiculous. So hopefully this time next week I can, uh, do some gloating because right now I'm just having to deflect on other people who have equally bad tier lists as me. Uh, so yeah, see you next time guys. Thanks for watching.